This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEN. Welcome back to another episode of Sporting Max, brought to you by Wilson Sport for the best of basketball, NFL and all sports. Visit wilson.com.au to get all your things in sport in Australia and around the world. Joining me on the podcast today is an Australian basketball legend and absolute superstar, Luke Kendall. Luke, it's great to have you on. How are you? Thank you very much, Max. Um, Pleasure to be here and I'm very good. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I want to get straight into the NBL season this season. What do you you thought so far about the team who you were assistant coach alongside Simon Mitchell last year, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, Mitch Creek, certainly an MVP contender this year? Yeah, oh, welcome to the program. Get hit hit with the hard <laughs> questions, nice and early. Didn't take you too long, Maxie, but uh, um, yeah, no, it's 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 great to watch, and it's uh, definitely a different perspective sitting on the other side of the TV, um, you know, watching these games. But you know, proud of how Phoenix are handling this season. Um, you know, they just like previous years, they've managed their uh, injuries uh, pretty well, and they're sitting in a nice spot on the table. Um, I think this. This time last year, we were in a similar position. I think mm-hmm. we were second or third. And um, hopefully they can stay healthy into the, the finish of the season and, and, and get on continue the role that they're on and um, finish in a good spot. Now, obviously, you're working at Hoop City. Observing Melbourne United, I guess, each day, how their guys... What do you think of Jordan Caroline, especially? Was he all there in terms of team chemistry and being the team guy? Or what did you observe him day in day out? Yeah, it's 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 really good to be, you know, just have a toe still in the door in the NBL and be around the United guys. And it's uh, you know credit to Dean and in a previous relationship that I had with him at the Kings. So he's happy to have me around it at some level, um, not a full time or even mm-hmm. a part time, but you know just around the boys. Uh, um, you know, just giving little hints where I can mm-hmm. and. And still just observing it, um, how they go about their business, and it's it's really it's really good to see. Uh, the Jordan Caroline situation was it's just unfortunate for him. I think um, you know he, he was a he was a really good teammate um, as far as their culture and what they wanted to do within the organisation. He ticked every single box, mm-hmm. um, so I'd, I think it was a nice fit for the team that they they had for the preseason and the start of the season. But when Ariel went down, uh, Ariel hook, hook body went down, you know, that just changed the dynamics of the team and and what they needed. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, um, for imports and Americans in this, in this league particular, um, they're the usually ones that we can chop and change. You know, you can't really change the local talent, uh, too much, um, during the season. So it was just an unfortunate situation that they needed more help in the big man spot. Um, he was obviously playing the, the, the four man spot or the, the power forward spot, but just needed a little bit more length and, and some rim protection and just didn't quite fit what they needed for that spot at that time. So, um, yeah, just an unfortunate situation of what it was and they had to make the change that they had to make. And, and Dean was up front with the team, uh, throughout that whole process. So as, as you said earlier, I was a part of most of those sessions and, and could see, the communication going on between him and, and what was going on with the, the situation. So it wasn't like he was, you know, blindsided by any means, um, but handled himself in a professional manner. And, um, you know, then the media made, twisted it and, and, and made it, blew it up to a, you know, probably what it, where I don't think it probably should have got to, but, um, you know, as far as all the communications there, it looked like it was all pretty upfront and just, uh, you know, just one of those things that you can't change. Absolutely. So Marcus Lee's coming to this side, give Isaac Comfort a bit of support, but he's currently out at the moment, big ice. Now he's been influential since he's come out. He's been, he looks as if he's playing a lot freer around the ball. He's being able to, you know, being self like he described in that meeting at Hoop City out on the court and it's really showing in his performances, obviously out right now. How do you think United place in his back end going into the back end of the season? Yeah, he's a, he's a huge part to uh, the, the finish of their season. Um, you know, in the past, they've had really good five men, really good centers. Um, and I think with the addition of Lee, he's just the perfect role guy for that team and what they needed. So they, they probably spent a little bit longer than they wanted to, um, looking for that right fit and that right play. I know they had a number of options and I was kind of helping them a little bit off the floor with that and some info on some imports uh, around the league and fringe NBA guys. And just, you know, you just want to get the right guy in mm-hmm. with, the, with with that fits into the team chemistry and that sort of thing. So, And I think he does and he, and he complements 
or he will compliment Isaac um, in this in this back half of the season. So. Um, you know, as long as Isaac stays healthy and you've got those two big guys holding down the rim protection area and the key, um, I think it'll change them. You know, they could just get a couple more defensive stops um, in a row and I think those guys can help provide that. Mm-hmm. Then it'll free up their offense and get Goulding loose and transition and, and free up some lanes for Tuck to go to work, to work. And uh, so I think there'll be a different team. You know, it's been a bit of a tough run for them. Mm-hmm in this last five games, especially, um, with the injuries to ice, like you mentioned and Shay Illy, but, um, Illy coming back hopefully this week and, and same with ice, it should be a different team. And I think they'll, they'll welcome those two, um, important pieces back into their, their to their lineup, whether they're starters or not early, you know, eventually I think they'll get there. Um, but trying to keep them all healthy and on the court, and I think the saying, the best availability is when you're available to play. <laughs> so, um, you know, I probably butchered that saying up, but, um, yeah, what, what we're trying to say is just that, you know, if more time they can get on the court, the better for them. And, and they've been really hurting since Shay's been off the floor, especially. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to get into your career, Luke. So what was your... Jeez, ch- that was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, was, what was growing up and your childhood especially like for you? Yeah, well, I grew up in Melbourne and, and played junior basketball um, at Kilsyth Cobras. So, um, you know, I loved my experience in the, in the basketball culture at the junior level. Um, I was probably a little bit – I started late. Um, I started right. when I was 12, 13. Yeah, right. So I um, played a couple of different sports, you know, a little bit younger ages. Any you tennis know, like Chris Anstey? A l- little bit yeah. of tennis. Not not official, you know, yeah. like – Anthony was, you yeah. know, he was amazing. You know, I think he beat Philippusis. He probably yeah. told you many stories, but you know, not quite to that level. But you know, I liked picking up the racket and mm-hmm. and whatever major sport was on the TV at the time. So it was Australian Open. We're playing tennis. Mm-hmm. If it was the cricket, we're playing cricket out the back. Um, you know, if it was basketball, then we'd pick up a basketball. But it was nothing official um, until I probably hit twelve and wanted to play with some teammates, and then got in and around Kilsyth basketball, and then enjoyed the the improvement that I was personally having and. Um, and then fell in love with the game on and off the floor and, and just loved, you know, shooting hoops in the backyard and, and playing with my brother and, you know, even my dad and shooting mum was a bit of a netballer, so she could shoot as well. So, um, just, just enjoyed the, the personal improvement in those areas and it was probably a bit of a late starter to, um, anyone's sort of radar. You know, I was on the, yeah. I, I, I constantly talk about this story with the junior basketballs and the, the state development program that I'm working with, with the Barca Victoria. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your journey's not over if you get cut from any sort of team or um, program or whatever, especially at those ages, because I was in the 16s, fifth team as, mm. a, as at Kilsyth, you know, and it wasn't until, you know, I got some personal coaching with uh, uh, an ex-NBL player, ex-NBA player, Kent Lockhart, and started mm. actually working out with Bogut a little bit. So he was the big man and I was the guard <laughs> and used to pick him up and go to the Kent Lockharts and he used to beat us around and, and really, you know, physically and mentally changed our attitudes um, towards the game. And there was a big progression, I think, within that uh, 12 months of working with him. And I grew a little bit as well. That that yeah. helped, definitely. And then, then I kind of started to come onto some radars, but never never made a state team. So um, then I went to college and then came back and played for the under-23 Australian team. So, um, you, you know, that information that I try and give to those players, not necessarily about myself and my mm-hmm. personal situation, but it's more to help them and guide them through, you know, their, their, the start of their basketball journey. So, um, yeah, that's my junior career. You, me- you, you mentioned Kent Lockhart and <clears throat> training a bit with Andrew Boger, picking him up, getting to training. What was that like and what kind of different situations would Kent put yourself and big man Andrew Boger in? Yeah, I think um, just having him as the big and me as the guard, we were able to work on those particular skills that he could help us with, but more physically, I think we were both really young, um, underdeveloped, uh, in our physical stature, long and skinny, you know, especially Bogut and, and, and myself, um, you know, he, he really just got physical with us and pushed us around and, um, uh, we knew what he was doing. That's what we we're there for to, to work on. And, um, and we loved it. And he, and it really just changed our mentality on the floor of what we can actually handle on the floor and what we can play through and, and how physical we need to be if we want to be at, at the top levels and elite. And I think it was, for me personally, it was a real turning point in my career, especially at the junior level is, do I really want to do this? You know, do I really want to make this, uh, you know, 
in my life and, and mm-hmm. be professional. And I think it was the same thing for Bogut. I think Bogut was in the, the similar position, you know, 16s, um, probably not the first teams, um, but, you know, got that gritty background um, and, you know, we really wanted to make something of it. So we went to the best and, and got exactly what we needed um, and Kent was perfect for that situation. So um, there was a big change in both physically and mentally for both Andrew and myself at that point. Yeah, so is the decision point, like you just mentioned, in an athlete's career where you've got to choose whether you're going to continue with the sport and try and make it professional, what was the realistic point where you thought, I can actually make this a career? Was that the same point or came at a later stage? I think Kent and those sessions really uh, cemented that um, dream, I guess, um, you know, as a, as a young kid, you're seeing the Olympics and you see the Australians play and you obviously want to re- represent your country at any mm-hmm. level in any sport. And that wasn't any different, excuse me. Um, so, um, I think at that point or I really saw that real growth from mm-hmm. under 16s to under 18s and it felt like I was ready to take the next step into the, the top teams of the, those junior, junior basketball, um, competitions is really when I wanted to eye off the NBL and playing for Australia and do everything I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was, it was hard on my parents and it, just like every other Victorian pre- parent out there in the <laughs> basketball world, you know, traveling all over Victoria, um, to multiple different, you know, sports stadiums mm-hmm. across, across country and Metro. Um, you know, the amount of travel that they do I also wanted to repay them in some sort of way as well. So not just, you know, go through the motions and just going mm-hmm. out there and just go and train with anyone and play anywhere. It was, it was for a reason. I wanted to do something special and, um, was prepared to you know put myself physically and mentally through anything to, uh, make that happen. So. Yeah, absolutely. So then can you take me through, you talked about college before and when you sort of know, knew that you could have a chance. How, not only how did you get to college, but what was the reasoning behind getting that step to college? Was it because it gave you more options heading into the future rather than, you know, you might stay at Kilsworth and play a bit of Seabull, bit of NBL1? Yeah, so um, I was fortunate enough to make the Seabull team as, at 17. Uh, they, they'd recently had a clean out of the, the older players within their organisation and were prepared to play some of the younger players. And I was part mm-hmm. of that um, perfect timing which allowed, and, and fortunately, um, they brought in some good imports and some good local players, Mick Wheeler and Damon Lowry. And, um, you know, I think the younger players that they invested in those couple of years continued that tradition and, and mm. um, played for a number of years. So it was a good core group of players back then, um, which really instilled that team mentality mm-hmm. first um, in my younger career. And, and at that point, you know, it was a dream to play in college. It was a dream to play in the NBA. It was a dream to play in uh, for, for your country. Yeah. So, um, but it was never really a realistic option at that point. Cause there was only a handful of players that were going to colleges and it was really tough mm-hmm. to get into the NBL, uh, once you finished high school. So, um, I actually played a, a game for the, the Kilsyth Cobras in the conference final against the AOS. It was actually wow. against Bogart yeah. and all, all those mm-hmm. top players. And Kevin Gorge and Brian Gorgian's brother mm-hmm. came down to the game and, and watched the game. And I, I had, think I had an okay game. I can't remember. It yep. wasn't anything special. I was playing against those guys. But we won. And um, he invited me to come to the Titans wow. back then. So when Brian Gorgian was mm-hmm. coaching and Kevin was the assistant and they had players like Jason Smith and mm-hmm. Darren McDonald and Frank Drimmick and Brett mm-hmm. Wheeler and all those <laughs> superstars back then. And so I was blown away that, you know, I, I, at the time, you know, growing up at Kilsyth and being part of that junior organization, all I really wanted to do and what I thought I could actually achieve was to play for that Seabull or that NBL one, mm-hmm. uh, that level. And so when I got the opportunity to train with those guys, I was over the moon and did everything, again, did everything I could, uh, once I finished high school to get to every single practice. And again, underdeveloped when you're going into <laughs> the man's world, into the professional world where, you know, Brian Gorge and teams are, are known for picking up full court and defensive pressure and offensive transition and stuff like that. So it was a bit of a, um, a shock to my body and, and, uh, but you know, loved the experience and, and learnt so much in such mm-hmm. a short amount of time with that team and, and, and under Brian and especially with those players like Jason Smith who I developed a really close relationship, obviously playing with him later on. 
and Darren McDonald, which I still continue to see daily mm-hmm. with Melbourne United. So, um, you know, all those guys, you know, I, I appreciate those moments that I was able to be involved at some level mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, before I got to college. And, and Brian Gorgian was actually the one that helped me get to college. So he's he was best friends with Mike Dunlap. Mm-hmm which I know Mark has talked about on the, the podcast before yeah. with you. Um, so their, their close relationship and, and helping that pipeline of Australians to go over to those college systems uh, mm-hmm. made it really easy. Mike came out for uh, a week. He saw me pr- train, went out to my house, met my parents. My parents were real, real comfortable with him. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously a big thing for any Australian to go overseas. And it was the first time really that I'd gone and left the family for an extended period of time. So yeah. Um, a big jump for that. And, and he was great. So that, that was, that kind of helped my transition to going to college. How long of a college stint was that for you? Was it just like a short one year stint where you tried to get it all done or did you stay that four length period? No, initially I I think I just wanted to stay two years. Um, I'm not sure really why I wanted to, but I I just wanted to be back with Gorgian and playing in the NBL, I think. So I thought two years, um, as, as a, training guy and, and some mm-hmm. just get an overseas experience. Um, obviously have Mike Dunlap, who was one of the best, um, yep. and coached at that level as well. So I think he could have time to invest in me and give me some court time and let me develop on the court, um, uh, before I came back to the NBL. But after two years, we won the national championship and then thought we could run it back the third and fourth year. So I ended up staying four years and, and by the end of my time, um, as good and as crazy as the college system is, um, I would have gone back for a fifth year if I could have, um, but was more than happy to come back and play in the NBL. So the you were ex- first team. What's that? You were first team. First team what? In the first team of Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky it's on the internet because yeah. it was that long ago. Yeah. Uh, Don't good. remember being named in a first team. Oh, I think there was a couple in there, but yeah, yeah. No, it was more about the team success and, and us winning national championships and, and especially that last year, we were, we were a really close team and I think we went 32 and two that mm-hmm. year and had an average winning of, uh, you know, like 30 points. So I think we had an outstanding team and and um, we lost in the, the final four on the buzzer um, which was hugely disappointing because it was mm-hmm. my last year and I just really thought that we were the best team in the country and, and really wanted to finish it off. So, um, yeah, it was a it was a great time in college. Yeah, absolutely. So 0405, joining the Sydney Kings, what was that like? You mentioned developing that relationship with Jason Smith furthermore after being at the Victorian Titans with him. What was that like? And then you're in contention for the NBL Rookie of the Year and get a knee blow and an injury and all of a sudden the season's over and... Kings go and win the chip. Yeah, thanks for that memory. <laughs> bittersweet <laughs> well, in that ple- one. Yeah, that's right. To- it was it was bittersweet. So yeah, yep. like you said, um, you know, like there wasn't any other team and any other coach that I was going to come back to except for Brian Gorgian because of the opportunity he gave me before college. Um, I knew he was the best of, the, of what he does. Um, I still had plenty of room for my own personal development, and and obviously enjoyed team success as well, which he promotes to the best ability that he has and, and is known for. So, um, you know, a, a unbelievable motivator in that area. And, um, anyone that probably knew me back then needed a little bit of a kick in my butt to get me going. So that's probably (laughs) why I went to Mike Dunlap, who was the best of the business as well. So, um, it was an easy transition and an easy choice to go to Brian Gorgian and, and obviously the, the leadership that Jason provided, not just through the Titans and my experience there, but um, me assimilating to the NBL so quickly and, and being a starter right from word dot. And, and CJ Bruton had been the starting point guard before, at the Kings, which had won a championship. Mm-hmm. And for him to take a different role to allow me to come into the starting five, you know, moving him to the shooting guard position, um, I think initially he was a little bit taken back and, uh, you know, was wondering why, because he was, you know, a championship winning player the season before at the point guard position. And it was a little bit, uh, weird for him to move roles for a rookie, um, mm-hmm. coming into the league. Um, but you know, to his credit was able to do that, um, and allowed me to play those first 12 games. And, um, I think we started 12 and three, which is like the best start, mm-hmm. I think at that time that in the in the NBL so far. And then, um, yeah, unfortunately went down with a knee injury, but the team was able to continue on and win the championship. So, um, yeah, it was, I think 
when I did my knee and was a part of my rehab and still around the team, it was kind of helping Gorge, even though I was a rookie, still manage those relationships within the team. And I think it was my first real glimpse of <clears throat> what uh, life of after basketball was on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think that kind of planted the seed for me to be a coach in the future. And um, yeah, just in a, a bit of sweet memory um, that first year, especially. What was it like when the Sydney Kings eventually had to fold, the team folded? Yeah, it was devastating, personally. Um, you know, we, we had a great was team. There like, was there a meeting or a situation where Gorge or a, the CEO bring you or owner bring you guys in and goes, right, this is, you know, this is going to be our last game or this is the end? Yeah, listening back on Wertho's, uh podcast with you just recently and him talk <laughs> about the number of teams that went under because yeah. <laughs> when Wertho was involved, so we can kind of blame him, I guess, yeah. in a jokingly way. But, um, you know, it, it was it was, it was was devastating. You know, like we, we had a really, really good team. Um, everyone loved being there. Throughout the year, probably the second half of the year, we went through – a number of times where we weren't getting paid each month and it was, mm. a, it was four weeks late and it was five weeks late and it was six mm. weeks late and then they'd pay and then it'd be four weeks late and it'd be five weeks late. And we were just kind of going through that battle. And, and you the, know there's something going on. But the owner was coming in every day and he looked you in the yeah. eye and he was like, it's okay, we've got some problems from transferring some money overseas and, you know, came up with every excuse under the, under the sun. But always reassured us we were going to get our money. So... Um, it got to the point where we were like literally a couple of games before the end of the season and, and been there two months where he still hadn't been paid. He'd come in and told us that, yep, don't worry, it's going to be in there today or tomorrow. And we had a team meeting. And we're like, do we, what do we do? Do we sit out and force it to pay, to make our payments like or do we just continue on? Yeah. And do we just, and we all just, it, it wasn't even really a question once it came down to the decision, because we just loved playing. We loved playing the game. We loved playing for each other. And whether that was Gorge and Jason Smith's influence within the, within the organization, it just didn't change our mentality for the rest of that season. And unfortunately we went to game five and lost to the Melbourne Tigers with Mm -hmm. Chris Anstey. And thank you very much for again, memory lane. But, um, (laughs) you know, we had a couple of injuries in that grand final and you you obviously need a little bit of of luck. He he returns from the NBA, right? That's right. What are you thinking? You come up against Anstey. He comes in there and Jason Smith tears his AC joint in his shoulder and he's getting jabbed up for the game. Could pretty much only play the first five minutes before he has to get subbed out. He's in Crosowite's got a plantar fascia. Mm-hmm. He's done. Um, Dante Exum, who was coming off, no, sorry, not Dante Exum. Dante um, was coming off uh, hamstring strain where he pulled it in the second game. So he was pretty much unplayable until the fourth, fourth game in Melbourne when they thought they had it won. And we were up down by 17 going into the last mm-hmm. quarter. And I don't know if you've seen some highlights before yep. of Anstey celebrating and <laughs> running to the crowd. And somehow, miraculously, we came back. But we knew heading into game five, which was two days later, that we were so broken and bruised and injured that just making that game five was an accomplishment for us, you know, within that final series and to play in front of our home fans. You know, extremely disappointing to lose that grand final, especially through everything that we'd been through with the firepower and not getting paid and, and how that season finished. Um, again, once the we lose the final, we speak to the owners, they pay up to date right at that point, mm-hmm. um, promise that they've got all this money, reinvested in the the organization for you know what they said was going to be another three years mm-hmm. um so at that point they'd paid up to the, the the term and so we're like so most of us were like oh okay well, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt they've grinded it through with us this season even though there's been some bumpy ups and downs mm-hmm. um you know i personally re-signed with them mm-hmm. uh for another three-year contract yeah and there was a number of other players now were though got recruited to the South Dragons mm-hmm. and Gorgian had got recruited to the South Dragons as well. But, uh, you know, me being extremely loyal to who I was with and where I was from, uh, you know, who I was playing with and, and, you know, they'd been loyal to me through my knee injury and in numerous ways. So I uh, felt the connection with Sydney at that time and was happy to re-sign with them for three years. But, um, yeah, a couple months later, again, the no payments and then they, they finally fold, which personally helped hurt me because the rest of the NBL had signed all their players for the, the upcoming season. And, you know, just off the back of an Australian team in that off season, um, you know, it was hard to find a job. So, um, yeah, it was, it was devastating for me personally. And, and for most of those players on that team that re- re-signed. 
You mentioned some of the NBL players, most of the teams had already signed their players. Luckily for you, you got picked up by the Perth Wildcats. What was it like to play it in the jungle? Yeah, it was, again, another bittersweet thing. We just played against the, the Perth Wildcats in that semifinals the year before, um, and they were probably known as the toughest, fit, most physical team. Um, and so play for a rival. Yeah, so it was going to play for your against your rival and and now teaming up with some of those guys that we were battling against, you know, only a couple of months ago. So um, you know, it was it was I think it was about 6 or 7 games into the season, so I hadn't had a lot of um game time apart from the Australian uh little stint that little off season that we that I'd done. So um again getting thrust into a position where you know, kind of just filling spots right now um, for, you know, I think it was Adam Caporn and mm-hmm. uh, Peter Crawford who had just got injured. So they, they brought me on in a week to week. So I didn't, again, know that I was going to be there for the rest of the season or I was only going to be there for a, a couple of days or, mm-hmm. you know, it was just a, a bit of a weird situation. But loved the time in Perth and, um, you know, had had multiple conversations to re-sign till the end of the year after, you know, only a couple of weeks there. But Melbourne Tigers had the uh, injury to Sam McKinnon where um, he had those mm-hmm. blood clots and um, we're going through some personal um, losses um, back in Melbourne with my grandfather passing. So it was it was somewhat of a decision to come back home to be with my family mid-season and, and play for the Melbourne Tigers and finish out the rest of the season. But then continuing on trying to create a ro- role for myself in that team and, and the Tigers organisation moving forward. Now, Mark Sainsbury, he's over in the, the U.S. Guru. The Guru's over. Shout out to Guru. Shout out to over, Guru. Over in the U.S. with my manager, Chris Feeney, and Anstey at the moment for their tour. Yep. Now, I've got to ask you about a serious story. 2008, same year. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know where this is going. Croatia. Yes. A rowboat. Yes. You, Anstey, and Werther. Can you take me through the story? Well, it was the end of... Uh, the tryouts for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So I'd just gone through uh, six weeks of tryouts for the Olympics for the 2008. And um, unfortunately, Gorgian sat me down right at the very last day and said, sorry, mate, you're being cut. You're the 13th man of the 12-man roster. And obviously my heart fell through the ground and yeah. was obviously really, really disappointed. Um because at the time I, th- I thought I probably should have deserved just to squeeze on, you know, I didn't think I was going to have a major role, but mm-hmm. I'd been part of the boomers for the previous four years and was, and was close to making the Olympics in 2004 when I returned back from college, but understood the decision. And as hard as it was, he, at the end of the conversation, um, and a few bitter words <laughs> <laughs> exchanged, um, he said, do you want to go to Croatia? We've got a pre-tournament. Um, Andrew Bogut's ankle is still recovering, so we've got a spot. And so it was it was pretty hard for me to swallow what I just um, said to Gorge, <laughs> <laughs> just being uh, cut from the organize, uh, cut from the team, um, to say yes, I will give myself every opportunity. And mm-hmm. if Andrew's uh, ankle isn't right, then you know I'll be there, ready to hold the flag um, for Australia and and represent the country. So we went to the to Croatia and. Uh, we played uh, Croatia and I think Serbia in a little pre-Olympic tournament and had actually had quite a good game because it was like, all right, now I've got to show you yeah. <laughs> what you're missing <laughs> and what you could have had for the uh, for a small stint. Not that Brian didn't already know, but um, he gave me a little opportunity and, and played pretty well. So we went to, you know, to Wertho and uh, Anstey's credit, they understood that I was hurting a little bit and it was the end of a, a tryout and they had a couple of weeks leading into – um, the Olympics. So we went to a small bar and had some drinks and, um, got a little, uh, loose and had a little bit of fun. And, uh, on the way home, uh, where we were staying, there was a, a little port, I guess, full of little rowboats. And, uh, rather than walking all the way around the, uh, the bay, cause we could see the hotel yeah. quite a while away. We just, we saw a little boat and we just decided to go for a little row. And But let's get this clarified. Three of the strongest and biggest humans possibly on the planet. In a tiny little rowboat. together. <laughs> and so when we jumped in, uh, you know, we, I think it was me and Anstey were rowing 
like crazy for about three minutes and we weren't going anywhere. And we'll look at, and, and Mark was like, row, row, row. We're like, what is going on? We're not going anywhere. Quick, get out of here. Let's get out of here. Quick. We didn't realize it was still tied up. <laughs> <laughs> and I think David Anderson was there and he was watching it. He was the one that picked it up and said, uh, you might want to just take the rope off the uh, the hook there, and boys. And he sat there and watched for three minutes. <laughs> and then finally we took off and and we got over to the other side. But um, once we got over there, I think the guilt kicked in and we had a bit of fun and we brought the boat back. So we we didn't do anything too crazy. <laughs> Another question from Guru. I'm actually going to make this. The Wilson oh, Guru's going to set the, me up here. The Wilson Sport question of the week. For all your sporting needs in Australia and the world, go to Wilson Sport. Dot com dot au for basketball, NFL, and all things sports. Now, the Wilson Sport question of the week is from Guru off Instagram. Ask him about being a member of the illustrious grocery store <laughs> networking group. Uh, it's a good group. Uh, you know, it's a majority of the guys that live in and around Mordialic, and we like to uh, get together and uh, have a couple of drinks and relax at the end of the week and, and catch up and have some downtime and, and pretty much rem- remiss about the old days and, mm-hmm. and talk about those things, but just, you know, staying connected with all those past players and, and friends throughout the basketball community. And that group is growing and growing <laughs> as everyone <laughs> likes to, um, catch up at, at some point. So, um, yeah, no, it's a special group and we have some pretty good banter and, and most of those guys are away with, uh, Chris on that tour and, and Mark or the guru, should I say. And, um, yeah, it's just a real special group. So, um, Happy to be a part of them. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, after 12 games with the Perth Wildcats in 2008, early 2009, you joined the Melbourne Tigers, who I guess at the time would have you would have been hating, I guess. Is is that too much to put into perspective? Or No, it's it, it wasn't. Um, you know, I'd played against the Tigers for that – four years as a professional (coughs) with the Kings and we just lost to them in the finals. Um, So again, another team that we just battled against and it was quite physical and and particularly between me and Anstey and we we still laugh and joke about it now because... We'd, Any elbows being thrown oh, around there was like, plenty. Like, like Parky with There Gordon. was plenty, but it didn't get out of hand where we came to fisticuffs and we, and we started uh, throwing away, but... Um, you know, within the basketball rules, there was always a little, you know, elbow and he used to set the screen on that little shuffle cut. And I, because I was the guard, I would always get back picked. And so he was always smashing me in the back. And so there was always just an, an awareness of where Anstey was around because, because he was so talented mm-hmm. because he's the best player on the court, but also because I knew I was going to get screened every yeah. single time <laughs> down there. And if I wanted to be walking after the game, I had to be aware of my surroundings. So um, you know, plenty of battles there, but ultimate respect. And, and when I came into the team, um, again, I think for them and for myself, it was like, oh, hey, how are you? And give the handshake, <laughs> but it didn't take long because, you know, true competitors and, and once you get thrown out there together, you, you're part of the team now. And again, I was trying to cement a position with that organization mm-hmm. for the future as well. So, um, you know, as as well as I knew their games inside and out, it was as quickly as I could to be know them personally off the floor as well, um, was obviously going to help us and, and transitioning from the Perth Wildcats to the Melbourne Tigers and then going to the grand final again. Um, and again, losing a game five <laughs> to the Dragons and Werther. So, um, yeah, it was a rough couple of years there as far Before as... Before Werther falls again. And then he goes to a team <laughs> and then he makes them fall. Well, he doesn't, doesn't make them fall, but, you know, they, they, they go under. But, um, yeah, um, interesting ex- experiences, but basketball's a small world. You know, you, you never want to burn any bridges because you mm-hmm. never know what's going to happen around the corner. Just like now I was with the Phoenix and, um, you know, whatever situation happened there, um, you know, called Dean straight away and he's like, well, look, we don't have any full-time positions, but happy to help you try and create a position around Hoop City and, and you'll be around us on a daily basis. So, um, yeah, you just never know what's going to happen around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. And then joining the City Kings just for one game though, the season later, was there a decision or was it being moved out of the Kings to then go and join the Gold Coast Blazers and some superstars out of Gibson, Chris Golding? And Worthington and again. And Worthington again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I'd played a year and a half with the Tigers and then I'd unfortunately blown out my other knee. So uh, another knee surgery and was recovering from that. And Were there any long-term impacts of blowing out both knees? Or uh, Yes, there is. That's why I had to retire at 32 yeah. because um, – 
when you have a, a trauma to your knees at that level, um, both on both sides of the, uh, of your knees, I guess, or both knees, sorry, should I say, um, you know, the, the cartilage got worn away very quickly because there's a huge trauma to that area. And, um, so now, you know, I can't go for runs or use that as an excuse anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was ultimately the reason why I wasn't able to continue basketball because I had no cartilage in my knees, um, from 32. So, um, there was some long-term problems that happens with that, but going back to the, the Kings and the reason why I was signed there, I was, like I said, I was recovering from that knee set. Knee surgery, it'd be probably a year since I'd done it. Wow. Um, the Kings had just started their new team and come back from um, when they folded. Mm-hmm. And they had a couple of injuries again, and I was just on a week-to-week uh, contract. So I'd replaced uh, Luke Cooper, I think, and mm-hmm. Luke Martin, both point guards, and, and played that first game with them. Um, we lost to uh, Townsville in a really close game. Um, again, they had a lot of – Kings had a lot of injuries – and we had like a two-week break, and it just gave enough time for Luke Cooper and, and Luke Martin, who they'd signed for the rest of the season, um, time to recover. And so I just missed out on those other couple of games. So it wasn't for any specific reason, but just that I was a short-term um, contract replacement. And then once the Kings, I'd moved on from the Kings, I flew up to uh, Gold Coast again to be with Worthington and train with the Gold Coast players because I'd... Um, played and heard good things about Joey Wright and mm-hmm. just wanted to be around that organisation to see if I can finish out the rest of the season. And Two out of three or four of possibly the greatest coaches in NBL history. Oh, we got, I guess we could make that three or four now working with Dean Vickerman. Correct. At Melbourne uh, <clears throat> United. What's that like to work with someone like Dean, Joey Wright and Brian Gorgian? Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to uh, play for exceptional coaches, you know, like three of the best coaches in NBL history and, and Mike Dunlap. Um, you know, in the college systems and, and he's obviously been in the NBA, head coach of the NBA and assistants uh, for Milwaukee now. So, um, you know, I take pride in in that, in playing yeah. for those guys. Um, and, I, and I revert back to the time that I had with the Kilsyth Cobras and that team atmosphere first and that team first. Those coaches always preached that and that's the type of player I was. So I always wanted to play for those types of coaches and, and ones that were willing to push you personally and mentally physically. Mm-hmm. And, um, those three <laughs> definitely did that. <laughs> and, um, I wouldn't have it any, any other way, you know, like I mentioned before, I needed a little bit of a kick in my kick in the butt to get going usually for the start of practices. Mm-hmm. But once competition started, it was the lights were on and it was all good. Um, but yeah, just wanted to get as much exposure to those types of coaches and, and, you know, put another feather in the cap for when I did finish basketball, take you know, whatever I could from those guys and, and hopefully incorporate that to life after basketball is in the coaching sense. Absolutely. 2006 FIBA World Cup. Great year. And the 2006 Commonwealth Games. <laughs> there you go. Gold medal at the Commonwealth Games, member of that, and the FIBA World Cup. What was that like for you? That was... Year of success, year of getting, you know, I guess, for without foreseeing anything that's coming in the future. Yeah, amazing year. I just recovered from a knee surgery and I had one year of uh, playing on the court um, under my belt and um, getting selected to the Commonwealth Games to represent my country um, was was amazing. You know, I didn't I th- didn't think after my knee happened that I was ever going to represent the country again. Um, but getting that opportunity again with a lot of players from that Sydney Kings team that I'd played mm-hmm. with, so Jason Smith, Russell Hinder, Mark Worthington, CJ Bruton. So we had a we had a bit of a core. Sydney Kings group that I'd played with for a couple of years um, on that Commonwealth Games, but then the opportunity to play with Sam McKinnon and Tony Ronaldson and, and Brad Davidson and, mm-hmm. and, and Neil Mottram and stuff like that. So, um, you know, just a really, really special team um, that was put together, you know, with a couple of weeks leading into the Commonwealth Games. Um, it was pretty evident that we we're going to be pretty good. Uh, because of all the experiences that we'd all had previously together and <clears throat> NBL being one of the top leagues in the world and playing mm-hmm. against internationals for, you know, quite some time. And, you know, just to, for it to be in Melbourne in front of my mm-hmm. friends and family Absolutely. representing my country, there was nothing better. <laughs> so, and then, you know, the game itself was, was super special. It was a, it was a real grind. It was a real battle. 
Um, quite low scoring. We, we, we started off pretty well in the game. We got up by a little bit, but they came back. To New Zealand's credit, they came back. Um, and they were just as familiar with us mm-hmm. against, you know, playing locally as we were against them and, and previous years um, for the international competitions and qualifying and stuff like that. So we knew their game inside out. They knew our game inside out. Ultimate respect for them and, their, and, and vice versa. So a grind out game, down by 10, make a couple of threes, get a bit of a run mm-hmm. and finally get over the line in front of our home fans on our floor, crowd full house. It was, it was, you know, still gives me goosebumps yeah. now and I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty proud of that, that, um, accomplishment. And then, uh, yeah, leading into the, the world championships as well was, was another, you know, amazing achievement. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you find the movement from playing to coaching? You mentioned before that, that first knee injury and rehab gave you sort of a bit of a stint on the sidelines and a f- hope of what the future would look like. Yeah, unfortunately I had a couple of those little stints on the sidelines <laughs> in my playing career. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a quick transition to be honest. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd played in the, in the Waratah, which is the NBL one in Sydney, um, for a couple of years and in, in the Sydney Comets, which is again, another a great organization. And thank you to Andrew Lazarus for getting me involved. And I knew a couple of players that I'd played with that were a part of that team, um, from the Kings, mm-hmm. Blake Borger and, and so on. So, um, it was really good team just to finish my career playing and we lost the grand final. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of uh, grand finals <laughs> that I seem to be remembering that I'm bringing up that I've lost, but those are the ones you usually remember the, the worst, uh, um, I think so. Uh, but we lost that one. And then the next day he, Andrew said, you know, would you be prepared to coach the team next year? Cause he knew I wasn't coming back to play again. Cause my knees were that, that shot. So, um, I initially was thinking that, oh, I wouldn't mind just taking a year off and possibly go traveling or, you know, mm-hmm. but striking while the iron was hot. Um, you know, it was, it was an easy decision because I knew the players and I knew what we were capable of. And, and fortunately they allowed me to, you know, as, as an ex Oh, not as an ex friend, but as an ex player and a, and a, and a close friend to be able to coach them that next mm. year, um, was a really special team and it made it really easy to transition into that coaching. So I could also find what I was good at and, and know that what I was need improvement on. And they allowed me to do that. And, and fortunately we won that grand final that first year. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, um, you know, winning that, that first year really kind of cemented what I wanted to do in my professional after basketball. So on the court, which was, which was coaching. So. Absolutely. Southeast mm. Melbourne Phoenix, how'd you get that opportunity in 2019 with Simon Mitchell? Um, I was, I'd been with the Sydney Kings as an assistant coach, um, for the three years before that. Um, as you mentioned before, a, a one year stint with Dean Vickerman when he was the assistant at the Kings before he moved to Melbourne United. Um, and then the remaining two years with Gaze and Copeland, mm-hmm. uh, which was, you know, super interesting, interesting <laughs> and fun and enjoyable and crazy and, um, you know, competitive and, you know, I loved every minute of it. And then the, the Kings organization came in with a new owner and they had a total change. What happens in sport, unfortunately, and fortunately, um, and so they they wanted to head in a different direction, obviously with Will Weaver, and he wanted to bring in his own guys. So um, I'd been in small conversations with um, Simon Mitchell before that, um, when he was trying to prepare his team and his coaching staff, um, but nothing really official. Um, and then when that newer the new owners came in from the Kings, it was an easy easy call to give him a call. And and I'd had past relationships with Tommy Greer as well. He's obviously the CEO. Of, mm-hmm of uh, the Phoenix and I'd played with him at the Tigers and, um, in the NBL one level. So, um, you know, good relationship with those guys. And, um, and I, and I wanted to come home. I think I was ready to come home. I'd been in, in Sydney for probably six or seven years, um, with my wife. So, um, you know, it was time to come home and be around my family. And I had recently had a boy, so I wanted him to be around my, my parents and, and my brother's kids as well. So his cousins. Um, so it was an easy transition to come back to Melbourne and yeah. fortunate enough to get a position with the Phoenix. So, um, yeah, no, it was good to be back home and, and into the Southeast where I, where I grew, played all my junior career, uh, in and around Kilsai. So it was, um, you know, it was something special for me. Absolutely. First game went over Melbourne United, Sean Long, Mellow Trimble. What was that like? Yeah, it was special. It was crazy. It was, uh, 
I didn't think we were Atmosphere really expecting. Yeah, we weren't expecting to win, but um, you know, as competitors, you always know that it's fifty-fifty chance, and on the home floor. And I think Melbourne United won the, the year before, and um, so they had a good squad. And um, we lost Ty Wesley in the first quarter, who was you know one of our stars, and he torn his hamstring off. You know, like it was terrible. <laughs> We were like, how are we going to do this? But somehow, miraculously, Cricky stepped up in the last couple of minutes and hit a couple of threes in front of a packed house. And it ben was Madgen playing at that stage. Ben Madgen, yep, yep. So John Robertson and, you know, a number of players. So um, obviously Dane and Kyle were part of that uh, team back then too. So, yeah, it was just – it was a really good first game to have that local rivalry back. Mm-hmm. And I think it really kind of kick-started – you know, what it is today and how physical and, and and the pride that comes between those two teams and how competitive it, it can get um, probably come as a bit of a shock after that first game for Melbourne United. So, and ever since then, it's just been a battle because it instilled uh, a bit of a belief for the Phoenix that we can beat anyone at any mm-hmm. time, even though we've, we're a brand new team. So, um, so yeah, the, the, the rivalry continues. Yeah, absolutely. Can you take me through your relationship with assistant coach then John Laval? Obviously, you've both departed the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix in the past year. Yeah, oh, we've got a great relationship. So uh, I think uh, anytime you're an assistant in the NBL and you do so much travel and and you're kind of going through the grind together, you you can, do, you know, you you're basically living with each other mm-hmm. off the you know on the floor and then you mm-hmm. travel together and you room together. So. You learn each other's, you know, intricacies. I think I butchered that word as well. <laughs> um, you know about each other, and and so three years together, um, you know, gr- developed a great relationship. He's a, he's a great basketball mind. He knows the game inside out. He's got the respect of all the players in the league. He knows what's going on in the juniors basketball. He knows what's happening in the fringe NBA guys. So um, a tremendous talent as far as a, as a coach, and and it's only a matter of time before he becomes a head coach in the NBL and. Um, you know, just through that COVID period, him being away from his home, um, as in New Zealand, he had some family, uh, problems back home as well. So he just wanted to be back home and be around his family as much as he could in that little time. So I don't think it was anything untoward, um, mm-hmm. his move back, but strictly for his family. And, and that's what the type of man he is, you know, he's extremely close to his family and that comes first and, and he makes the ultimate sacrifice for them. And, um, as he does for the for the professional organisation that he's that he's with, but um, yeah, just an outstanding human, and it was a pleasure to uh, work with him for so many years. Absolutely. So, was at the NBL Blitz last year, where it was sort of a different blitz at MSAC, and it was halfway through the second game on the Saturday night, I believe it was, and Judd Favala came over, gave him. A- did a quick interview with him, and I look over to the door, and you're standing at the door, and I'm like, and he's like. Maxie's like, Luke, you stand there, he's ready to go home. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, all right, no, no worries. He's, he's like, all right, so he, I'm, I'm like, you getting a lift home from him? And he's like, yep, he's like, drive me home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, we, we tra- like I said, we travelled together. So, um, you know, he actually lived in Mordialic as well, and I lived just two minutes down the road from him. So we generally travel to the games and practices, and, you know, when we have to go to the airport, we travel together. So, um, when he has to stay back and do interviews and when I had to stay back, we're, <laughs> we would also get the look from each other. So, um, but yeah, no, he's, he, he's, he's phenomenal. So sorry for pulling you away from, pulling me <laughs> away from that a little interview. Right, <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to go home and catch up with my family. Yeah, absolutely. That's all right. Um, so how did that departure for yourself? Obviously Judd's purpose was for family back in New Zealand. What was the reason for your departure? Was it being moved out of the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, a fresh, uh, breath of fresh air. Yeah, uh, it was a bit of a shock to be honest um, when that when that all came down, and I think they just I don't know the exact reason to be honest, and I'm still yet to find out. But um, like I said, it, there was nothing untoward. It was a total respect situation um, from both sides. Um, I wouldn't say it was a mutual decision, but it was it was understood, and um, we've moved on happily. Um, I, th- I I believe that they had some interest from overseas coaches and that they mm-hmm. thought they were going to get a really high profile coach that they just couldn't resist. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, it just didn't work out. And that's what I, that's what I believe. And I don't, don't hold me down that yeah. <laughs> to me, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that that was the case. And 
um, again, there was nothing untoward. It was a great experience being with them and, and, um, and Simon and obviously Judd and, and Tommy. So, and especially with the, the, the boys, I mean, they were, they were a phenomenal group, you know, Cricky and, and Kyle particularly and Dane, you know, those are the core players. And then obviously the, the players that we had come in, um, you know, really special group and was happy and proud to be a part of that organization. And unfortunate in basketball, it's, you know, it's a moving world. So, um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, um, to be honest, it's, it's been a bit of a breath of fresh air. So since my basketball career finished and the quick transition into coaching and being on the floor and just grinding it out and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the amount of time that you put in, it's, it's just a whole new respect for what the assistants have to go through and the players and, and the, and the head coaches. So, um, you know, it was six years in a row and it was just time to take a breath. You know, I've got two boys now and, you know, through the COVID, it was obviously tough on everyone. Um, but as far as a professional organization and, and have only have a limited numbers as an assistant coach staff, mm-hmm. um, through COVID, it was pretty much, you know, no one else could come into the group and help where generally with most professional teams, you've got a lot of, pl- a lot of people that can come in and help in certain areas and kind of relieve a little bit of pressure and, and give you some time back there. But because COVID and it just restricted everyone in that little situation, no one was able to come in and it was just us. And it was, it was pretty full on, to be honest, for those, those three years, but I wouldn't change it again. You know, it's, it's all part of the ups and downs and, and what we sign on for it. And, and in the future, I'll look to go back to that. Um, but right now I'm just enjoying the time with the family and, and my role within Hoop City and Basel Victoria. So Luke, got a question for you. United or the Phoenix now? Oh, it's still, it's still very tough. So obviously I've still got those relationships. When you, when you were a kid, were you a, a Tigers or a Magic kind of kid? Or I was a Magic because magic. I got that opportunity. And I yeah. think because I didn't play for the Melbourne Tigers as a junior, if you're not a Melbourne Tiger junior, everyone hates you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think there was a natural, uh, thought process around that. And then obviously getting that opportunity to train with the, the magic back then and Brian Gorge and I, I was, it was easy a Southeast mm-hmm. fan. Um, and then coming back to the Phoenix was made it all the, that much sweeter, I yeah. guess, because it was, you know, the Southeast team that I wanted, that I was originally part of when I was a, just transitioning out of a junior into professional. So, um, I'd still, I can't even answer that. I'd probably have to say Melbourne United just cause I see them every day. And yeah. if I said Phoenix, they'd probably <laughs> yeah, beat yeah. me as I walk through the door. So, um, you know, that's good. Obviously follow, you know, and talk to Dean quite a lot and obviously the other coaches and, you know, got to know Reese Carter a lot more and, and Justin Schuler and obviously D-Max in there Great and around it. So United. yeah, no, it's, it's been really good and they've helped me off the floor and, and within Hoop City and the, the programs that we're creating as well. So we're really excited in that space. And so, yeah, oh, probably have to say Melbourne United gets the yeah. tick right now. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Luke, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, it's been an absolute honour to have you on. Maxie, you're an absolute superstar and I feel really honoured that you brought me on. So I appreciate it and all the best. Thanks, Luke. This episode is brought to you by Wilson Sport. Go to wilson.com.au for all your sporting needs, basketball, NFL, in Australia and the world. We'll see you soon. This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEM.